welcome to Letter Day in Europe with your host David Heens and Isabel. Hi Isabel, ready for number one of Letter Day in Europe? I am looking so much forward to do that, yeah. For our listeners, uh, let's talk about what this podcast is about and uh, especially we want to show that there are also Mormons in Europe, that we are quite active here in Europe Mm -hmm. and that sometimes we have our own view on things. Exactly, yeah. So uh, we will give you a lot of news of what's happening in Europe. We will react on news from America. We will do regular interviews with people who uh, have been in Europe or people who have served here and can tell us about the difference between the American church and the European church, or at least it is one church, but uh, the versions of it. So uh, how do you how do you feel, Isabel, about this difference? Yes, the difference is, um, is huge. Um, in the way uh, the way we think, of course, we have the same religion, but um, cultures are uh, are different, and also the way we respond to stuff. So um, I think it's very interesting to to um, yeah to put the two next to each other, and uh, and I, maybe we we can learn from uh, from one another. That's uh, very nice to say because uh, the purpose of this podcast is that we can learn from each other, that we can become more brethren and sisters, so uh, that our church is more global church. Exactly. Uh, So let's uh, go to our first topic of the day. Perfect. Uh, I wanted to talk about a new hymn book. Mm Mm-hmm. As you know, uh, our church has said, our church leaders has, has, and have announced that we will have a new hymn book, mm-hmm. that it will be a global hymn book. Uh, so local songs and hymns will disappear. Uh, exactly. The national anthems will disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody can, can work together on, on this new hymn book. Everybody has the opportunity to make proposals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have time until... July 2019, yeah. so an entire year. That's right. So people can uh, can admit new songs and stuff like that. But how do you think that um, that this will make a difference? That there is one global hymn book. Um, well, first of all, I um, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit double. I feel a bit double about it because some some countries i think are are crazy about their own hymns and their own uh anthems and stuff like that so i can imagine that people feel sad that certain songs will disappear on the other hand we would like to be you know one one global church as you mentioned so then i think it's important to have one one book that we can use in any any country in the world and I think it's also very nice if you come in another ward or in another country that if you open the book, you know that it will be exactly the same as the one you have in your own ward. So, yeah, for me, actually, it's a bit it's a bit double. Yeah, I can understand it because 
I, I have the feeling when, when you're somewhere and then you, you heard the title when, when you're abroad, for instance, and you then suddenly have, uh, like in our case, we normally sing in Dutch, and then you're somewhere where you have an English version of the hymn book and you hear a title and it's completely new mm-hmm. or you hear a familial title, but then it's on a complete other number. I agree mm-hmm. that that it is that is a good thing to uh, to collaborate in in this work uh, and to have one global hymn book. I'm yep. looking forward to it. It uh, right. it has a lot of, of advantages, and I hope that a lot of people from around the world will will send in new songs because what I think is that a global hymn book still has room for local influences. I would like to have some, for instance, African hymns yeah. in the book. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So it shouldn't be one general thing for the entire world, don't you think so? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. Um, what 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 pops it, what pops up into my mind right now is that you know it's not only the hymn book; it's also the children's uh, hymn book. Um, I think. For example, that um, it would be very nice to have more topics in that uh, in the in that book, so the kids can sing about uh, more different uh, items. For example, like uh, more songs they can sing for Father's Day, Mother's Day, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's room for more subjects and more different uh, cultures. And, and, and influences. I think that's a perfect way to uh, to show the rest of the world how 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 different but yet united we are as a church. Yeah, that's true. And especially for the children, it will it will be nice to to have also a new uh, book yeah. with uh, with different songs, but. I hope they'll keep some songs. Yes, of course, of course, of course. You know, going back to to the kids, I think, you know, I served a lot of time already in primary and um, kids love the same songs and they come back over and over and over again. And that keeps actually the leaders uh, from teaching new songs because we know that the kids are so much yeah in love with those songs um that we yeah we, we we keep on hanging in the same song so maybe you know if the the new songs will be inspiring and fun and and for for the kids to learn i'm sure we can kind of like you know open the repertoire and um and there will be more diversity that will be that will be splendid one song i definitely want again in the book both in the children's book mm-hmm. as in the hymn book is i'm a child of god that's actually that is one of my favorite songs and it's as you say you know the kids sing it but the grown-ups in sacrament meeting we also sing it because it's just i think it's the song of songs you know i am a child of god you know is there anything more important than realizing that you're a child of God? You know, everything starts with that idea. 
So it is important. Um, and it's a, it's a fun song to sing. So yes, yes, it just has to be in there for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. But on the other hand, I also have a song that I really want to get rid of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Praise the man. Okay. I love the song. It's it's a Scottish theme. Okay. It's it's Scottish music music, and I do think that our church would be way better off if we have some bagpipes in <laughs> in the church. But beside of that, I think that one of the things is what we often see, and especially here in Europe, where where the world is more secular, is that we as Mormons, one of the anti-Mormon arguments we get is that. We don't believe in Jesus Christ, but mm -hmm. that we are followers of Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And this song, I agree that it has a meaning and that it had a purpose in the first few generations after the death of Joseph Smith. And whatever that happens with that song, he remains a very important prophet to us, mm -hmm. but we don't worship Joseph Smith we give him a lot of respect, but we worship Jesus Christ. Yeah. And if you then listen to the lyrics of Praise the Man, mm -hmm. that could confuse some some people visiting our church. If we would sing that on, on a Sunday that we, we have guests, mm -hmm. they would definitely say, you see, you're worshiping Joseph Smith. So just for that reason, I say, let's get rid of that song. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think there are more songs like that that could be um, misunderstood or or some kind of pain be painful for for some people. And um, yeah, I think if there there are so some issues uh, around the song that they should perhaps take it take it away from this uh, from the book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see what, what happens. I encourage a lot of people to uh, create songs, um, but also people who are not so creative to, to write songs or to write the yes. lyrics, they can send in uh, their comments. Yes, exactly. Because I, when, I, when I read the mail that we received concerning the hymn books, they also asked songwriters to uh, to make new songs and that would be so amazing because many of or actually the majority of the songs we have in our hymn book are pretty old songs from 1800 1900 so i think it would be really 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 awesome if there would be some new work for yeah sure. most likely what i'm wondering is that if there are and we we do now have famous mormon singers Mm -hmm. like the Osmonds, David Arcoletta, okay. to mention a few, but here in Europe we have the Herais. Mm -hmm. If if these these people maybe are going to yes. write some songs and and send them in, that that would be nice. So that we that we have some maybe more pop song in it. Uh, <laughs> a pop song, yeah. No, you know what How I mean. More yes. another style, and, okay. and mm -hmm. I think that uh, that I hope that these people uh, that are famous uh, performers will take uh, the chance to, to send in some things. Exactly. And and what I hope is, of course, there will be a lot of songs that won't get into the hymn book. Mm -hmm. But I hope that all those submissions won't get lost. Mm -hmm. It would be great that we can afterwards hear some things that didn't make it to the to the hymn book. Um, and, and maybe 
we should do it rather in a kind of, of contest and, and that yeah. we can vote <laughs> on, on the best songs. That, that would be amazing, you know, compare it to The Voice or, or, or Idol or something. So some songs go to the live, um, live shows and then others go to the, um, to the second chance. That, that, that would be really amazing. And, you know, you just mentioned pop songs and, and actually the idea is quite funny if you think about it. But why not? You know, we are used to the songs we have. And as I said, these are all songs from 1800. So they have that certain style. But I don't think that anywhere in the rules, it says like, you know, it has to be this or this type of song. So that would be, that would be very, very, very special if there, there would be some very modern music in there. Yeah, I can only encourage people songwriters, composers, to send in new material. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And please don't make them all sound like they were written for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I love to listen to Motep. Mm -hmm. But once again, it's a typical American style and something else would be refreshing. Exactly. I'm exactly. I'm looking for something refreshing in all, in all of this. Yes, yes. And then if you, yeah. So as you said before, you know, Americans have their style, European people have their have their style. So I really hope that they pay attention to all kinds of cultures. So that actually, when you pick up the book, that you say that, um, you know, we feel home as soon as we open the book. Indeed. Okay, let's see what uh, what happens with all this. Um, I also had the pleasure of doing an interview for our first uh, edition mm -hmm. of this podcast. I interviewed President and Sister Benel. Exactly. They are the mission president in uh, the Netherlands-Belgium mission mm -hmm. um, until today because they're leaving. They served for three years. Uh, in Belgium and the Netherlands and so this was kind of their farewell uh, okay. interview and I asked them some some questions on how they experienced it over here in Europe and uh, on the things that they see so I suggest that we listen to that uh, interview now perfect Hi, President and Sister Benel. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, you're, uh, to give this uh, description to our uh, listeners, you've uh, come to the end of your three-year mission in the Netherlands-Belgium mission as a mission president couple. So, um, how how has it been, uh, this mission? Are you looking forward to uh, to going home again? Well, yes, we're looking forward to see our family and our grandchildren, our children, which will be very wonderful for us since we haven't really um, been around them much um, for this time. But, you know, it's going to be hard to leave all these great missionaries, the, the wonderful countries and the people here that are so awesome. The members of the church are really amazing, outstanding. Okay. 
maybe later on we can go deeper into that but but first let's let me take you back in time can you tell us how you got to know that you were called as mission president how was how did that happen oh that's a great question and it was very inspiring we were just going about our lives i was still working sister Pinnell was busy with our family and her gardens and her beautiful home and we were just doing what we normally do. <laughs> yeah. we, we got a telephone call from Elder Cook's office. He asked us if we could come and uh, chat with him. We spent about an hour with him, and he asked us a lot of questions. And then he said, well, we might be calling you back. If you don't hear from us in two months, give us a call. So uh, we went <laughs> home, and um, we thought nothing would come of it. But just a couple of weeks later, we got a call from President Iring's secretary, and she asked us if we could come down and meet with him. That time, we were thinking that maybe Sister Bennell had more responsibilities in the church. She's so excellent at everything she does. Well, that's to be determined. <laughs> and, and so when we walked in his office, um, we were having a wonderful conversation. He is so inspiring. Oh. What a loving, sweet man. Yes. But he started saying the word Maastricht. And then he would laugh. And then he would say it again, Maastricht. And about that time, the lights started coming on for me. I, at that point, thought, oh, boy, we might be assigned to go on a mission. <laughs> and then he yeah. asked us if we would serve. Yeah. Then okay. that was really an interesting shock of uh, someone's life. It was shocking. <laughs> totally unexpected at that moment. Totally unexpected. So you knew right away that the Belgium-Netherlands mission was the place where you were going to? Yes, he told us in that interview that this was the, our assignment. And... What did you know at that moment about Belgium and the Netherlands? Did you know where it was? <laughs> uh, I wasn't quite sure, but it must be by the Netherlands if it says Belgium, Netherlands. <laughs> but uh, what was the first thing that you did then? Look up on, on a map, okay, where is Europe? And is this, is this really in Europe? <laughs> <laughs> because I had served my mission here in 1969, I had some idea about where Belgium and Netherlands were, but I never had the chance to serve in Belgium. So it was being in Belgium has been new for both of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And was it then a, a big surprise when you arrived to get in contact with the culture over here? Yes. <laughs> it was a little adjustment for me because I don't speak Dutch or Flams or any of that. And just to be able to understand how to exist here was really an adjustment. But once I got the hang of it, it's been wonderful. But it took me a good while. And was then the most difficult thing, the language barrier? For me, the language barrier. What about you? Well, it was also a challenge for me. And then Sister Bennell also had instant responsibility to cook a lot. Tell us about oh. that. how that was for you. Well, I'm not a big cook, but learning how to cook for groups of people. I, trying to understand a recipe here was, I just couldn't do it. I'd get people to translate for me. Um, but it was, it was fun once, but I did the same recipes over and over. <laughs> because, but that, that was okay. 
But I think for me, basically, it was the language barrier because I really wanted to really connect with the members of the church more so. But I realized that, you know, you need to know the language to really connect in people's hearts. So I guess that most people in the Belgium and Netherlands countries speak English. So wasn't that a help for you, Sister Benel? Oh, that was a great help. Believe me, it really saved me. And I was so appreciative of people that would speak English for me. And and that was, oh, I don't know if I could have done it without. So I was so grateful for that. And what did you remember, President Benel, from your language training since the time you've served here as a missionary? Oh, yes. Um, we I didn't focus much on Dutch afterwards. We had no idea we would come back here, sadly. I wish I would have. It was, uh, we had several months to prepare to come to the mission, and I worked hard on vocabulary and sentence structure and memorizing discussions in Dutch and tried really hard, but I'm afraid uh, my brain didn't cooperate as much as I wanted it to, so I still had, had quite a challenge when I came. Yeah, I can imagine, because the big difference in our languages is that we in Dutch have our verb at the end of the sentence, and that's a big difference with English, isn't it? It is, and then the outspraak is just, for this old mouth, was very challenging. On top of that, when we went to meetings in the Netherlands, I started to understand pretty well, but then we went to Ghent, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> it was almost like it was a different language. And it took me a while to start getting to understand the beautiful, lilting Belgian Dutch. Oh, yes, it's a, it's a big difference. Uh, I consider it officially another language since the moment that Disney has chosen that on their DVDs for Europe, the, the Dutch and the Flemish are two different audio tracks. English for the British and the American are the same. Look on a DVD from Disney, but you'll find separate audio tracks for Dutch and, and, and Flemish. Oh, my goodness. We have no idea. That's truly amazing. Oh, yeah. Now we don't feel so bad. <laughs> there you go so but what do you think that was the biggest uh difference in between european and american culture oh, oh. well tough question it's a great question and it's intriguing sister Benel has been the driver for our companionship i sit in the passenger seat and work on the internet and do letters and so forth and missionary work And she drives, and she has become really an outstanding European driver. And that was not easy. That was quite a switch for her. How do you mean? Is there, is there such a big driving difference between Europe and, and America? Well, there's so many signs um, at intersections here that I'm not used to. You know, one for the bikes, one for the cars, and uh, just so many different things. And also in America, you can turn right on a red light. <laughs> and here that does not work you get a ticket oh, <laughs> oh yeah don't do that no, i did it once and that was enough <laughs> but um there's that and just um driving on the freeways you have to always move over to the right and i wasn't used to that either other than that it wasn't too bad uh, 
just watching out for the bicycles and the walkers and everybody. So when you return in America and you see a bad driver standing for a red light and not going to the right, from now on you will think, you stupid European, get out of my way. I know right where they're from. (laughs) I've come to respect European drivers. You have to be on your toes here. You do. In the U.S. you can kind of just sleep drive, not really think through it, but here you have to be sharp. Yeah. Then you haven't been to several other European countries because Belgium and the Netherlands is still quite easy. Really? Oh, wow. I'll take this then. (laughs) One of the other cultural things that I noticed is the Dutch and the Belgian people, without fail, anytime we've needed help with something, they help. If you ask somebody for help with the language, for example, or anything, if, if you drop a package or something, they are always eager to help. And that's been so impressive to us. Yeah, Mm, That's nice to hear. Thank you. And what do you think? Are there any differences how Europeans and Americans look to the subject of religion? Well, here it seems like in the Netherlands don't want to have anything to do with religion. They're fine. They're happy. and They don't need it. Or either they're already denomination and they don't want to listen to anything else and missionaries say that the Belgians are a little more open about talking about religion than those in the Netherlands but um, I haven't done a whole lot of talking about religion so I haven't had too much of that experience. We learned recently that there are two things you do not speak to the Dutch or Belgians about one is your salary, and the other one is your religion. That's correct. And that's, that are two things that you talk easily about when you're in America, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. not a taboo. But, however, when you can break through that, and if you can get heart-to-heart with the Belgians and the Dutch, they are remarkably open, loving people. I so admire the way they treat Fluchtelingen. The refugees, mm-hmm. they really care. And uh, it's wonderful to see the opportunities that are, that are given to the folks that have to flee here. I've been very impressed with that. That's so different than what we face in the United States. The thing is, of course, that, that Europe has a special feeling about refugees. Uh, lots of Europeans have been a refugee once, and then the Americans came to the rescue. So uh, we know how it feels, of course. But um, then again, all those feelings, did that help you when you had to work with, with young missionaries, uh, especially since most are Americans, who then also come to Europe for the very first time and, and have that culture shock? Could you... Could you work with them? How, how did that work out? We learned that if we just dive straight into religion, most people put the hand up and are too busy. But our missionaries are being trained and they're learning this very well to first connect as human to human. When we can get into another person's heart and learn about them and care about their lives, then they're open to talk about things. So we're helping our missionaries learn how to break the ice, so to speak, and talk about them and be curious about them and their culture and their lives and their families. When we can do that, then we have opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Okay. 
that's uh, that's a good thing and is that then something that that you say okay this is a kind of advice that uh, we have to keep in mind when working with missionaries is is that a kind of advice that that you would say okay this is one of the first things i would tell new missionaries yes it actually it is and in fact we had a zone conference just uh, two weeks ago where president van beek who's a member of our mission presidency did a masterful presentation on how to um, mm -hmm. connect. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. So we feel like this is one of the very most important things we can learn as new missionaries. And what is then the, the biggest advice that you that you have for young men and, and women uh, who are preparing for a mission and that uh, that are thinking, okay, in a few days my mission call will arrive. What kind of advice will you give to them? Especially if the maybe on their mission papers is okay, you're going to the Belgium Netherlands mission. Oh wow, that's a <laughs> there's a lot of things we wish we could tell them. I think one thing is to learn um, how to connect with people by speaking to them and looking them in their face and eye to eye, because a lot of the young people now are so onto their screens constantly that they don't know how to communicate very well. And if they can do that, that's a big plus. And to if they know how to be away from family, they've had that experience, so they're not so homesick, even though it is an adjustment, but knowing that they'll be okay. Uh, what else? Well, I think the spiritual side comes in here. If they learn to lean on the Savior and learn to open their hearts to him, and feel his peace, then they also have additional strength. So um, that really is the answer. When, they, when their testimonies are bright and flourishing, when they're keeping the covenants, when they're being obedient, then they have that spirit with them, and that gives them additional strength to be away from families in new cultures, and trying to do things that are very challenging. Yeah, I think President Nelson just talked to the youth the first of this month, and he gave them, I think, five things to help start to prepare them to gather Israel. And I think those are very important. If they could follow the prophet and do what he said, they'll be better prepared to serve in other countries. It was a beautiful lesson that our that our president gave us. It's, uh, it's indeed with those five things. Every young man and, and woman should. Who haven't seen uh, the video yet? Uh, I would advise to uh, to go and, and watch it, of course. But maybe over to some things that you have learned. What now looking back on those three years? What are the biggest lessons that you've learned? I think it's the same thing. <laughs> Rely on the Savior and count on Him. We've noticed this. There are untold numbers of things that a mission president and wife need to take care of. The details can't be described. What we've learned is if we will trust him and do our best, everything works out. Yeah. It's almost miraculous how the deadlines get met, things get handled, people progress, and it's a wonderful thing to witness. That's probably been the most profound thing I've learned in this mission, that is, Heavenly Father supports us and sustains us in this work. Yeah, because it's his work. And to the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, if we 
um, will listen and do those little nudges, little thoughts that come to our head, everything just works out beautifully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did it grow your testimony then? Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, I thought we were doing okay, you know, in life until we had this experience. And then, wow, I realize there's things I need to still keep working on and um, to really focus on depending on the Savior and the atonement, um, how important that is every day of our lives. And also, I'm going to be a better missionary when I go home and help the missionaries that are in our area. That's a good thing, of course. There's one other thing that we should mention. It has been a wonderful testimony builder to get to know and learn about the new converts. Mm. These people who are willing to change everything in their lives to come unto Christ and have a renewed life through uh, repentance and baptism and and then preparing for the temple. It has been amazing how these people will give up the old and take on the new. It's driven by the Spirit, but it is a testimony to us that they have been touched by the Spirit and they're able to do it. So that's been a thrill. Oh, yes. And to see them continually stay active and keep um, growing in the gospel, that is amazing. It really builds your testimony. That's beautiful. But wasn't it kind of like the same for you? You, three years ago, you had to leave everything behind and turn your life upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we did. so. (laughs) Yeah. Was it, if you now look back, was it hard those three years? Or do you say, well, no, knowing what I know now, I would do it again? Mm, Well, if we were asked, of course we'd do it again. But now, I mean, it was hard. Yes, at first, I think it was really hard for me because I felt so overwhelmed with everything that was required of us and not feeling adequate enough to do it. But as I learned to lean on the Savior and His atonement, I was able to do it. And yes, it would be a real challenge to do it again, but we know that we could do it because of that knowledge. There are three things that would make me want to do this again and that keep me happy. One is working with these new members and interviewing those who want to be baptized. This is wonderful. The second is The members here, I consider them the great and good of Zion. They are the finest people I have ever met. The strongest, uh, testifying, faithful, sturdy, stalwart people. They they truly inspire me. And the third part is these missionaries, these young people who come and give up everything. Uh, to, To live in these lands and to learn how to love the people and the members and share the gospel. To watch them grow is one of the great adventures yeah. we've had in this mission. Because oh, every time they go home, they have changed so much. And it, they're at their peak. And we hate to lose them at that point because they're so good at what they do. But it's just oh, just a joy to see them and their changes that they've made in their lives so that they can go forward and be great kingdom builders. Do you think that... President Benel, you said that you had a lot of strength that you gained from the converts over here. Is that also because religion entirely is is kind of getting 
rare over here in secular Europe. And then, then especially Mormonism is very small group over here. Do you think that plays a role in, in all of this? I'm sorry, uh, Bruder Shanes, you broke up right at the beginning of that question. I didn't hear your entire question. Okay, then I'm going to leave a pause and I'm going to rephrase it. Okay. So, President Benel, you mentioned uh, that you gained a lot of strength from the converts. Do you think it's special for converts over here? Because religion is getting quite rare in this secular part of Europe, and especially Mormonism is only a very small group over here. Do you think that plays a role in the life of converts? I think it does. Um, we read once a report that said 13% of people care about faith. That's a pretty small number. But on the other hand, these people care about their lives and they want to find a way to get more joy in their lives. And that's what opens the door for our missionaries to teach when they truly recognize that things might be better then we can have an opportunity to teach them and share the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's nice. And now, in, in a few days, you will return home. Um, what did you miss the most? And are you looking out for to, to have it back in a few days? Oh, I miss being home when we, we've had four grandsons born while we've been over here. And so we haven't held them or gotten to know them. So that'll be fun to get to know them. And I've missed having my hands in the dirt because I love to garden uh, flowers and vegetables. And so I'm looking forward to that and being with our children again. I want to take our children out for ice cream cones and our grandchildren. So it's all about family. That's probably one of the hardest thing is, uh, is to miss your family, I guess. Yes, yes. That was, that, that was one of the hardest things to deal with. At first, is missing those important moments of our children and our grandchildren's lives. So you say at one hand, it were fantastic three years, but on the other hand, it's okay now that uh, it's over and that we can return. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could say that. And there's one other reason I feel comfortable to say that is because we know who the new mission president and wife are. We are so thrilled that the Bowsers are ready to come and take this mission over. Yes. We have absolutely no qualms, nothing. I can only feel positive about being able to say, here are the keys, carry on. <laughs> oh, that's a nice compliment to them. So, and looking back in these three years, what's the nicest anecdote that, uh, that you can share with us? I want to I share a story about a fellow who was baptized as a result of how members opened their lives This story is about a man who was quite active in his faith, uh, and his neighbors lost an adult daughter. She passed away. And while it was just so difficult for them, he was close to them. He knew them. He noticed that they were not devastated. They were able to stand up and keep moving, even with a little sense of all will be well. And so he came to them and said, what is it about you people? Why is it that you can go through this terrible loss and still hold your heads up? And they said, our faith teaches us that our daughter lives on and we will see her again. And so he said, well, I'd like to know more about your faith. And this sweet couple gave this man their daughter's scriptures. And he took them and started reading them 
and then came back and said, I need to know more about this. The members referred them to the missionaries. He was baptized, and he is a strong contributing member of the church at this time. Wow. That's a touching story. That's a, that's a nice thing to remember for the rest of your life, indeed. And you, Sister Benel, do, do you have something that, uh, that you say, okay, this is something that I often will look back on and it will get a smile on my face? Mm, I think mine would be, well, I think first of the missionaries. They just all have touched my heart so much because of who they are and who they become. Um, they're willing to do this day after day, even though they struggle, they still do it. Just, you know, each and each one is so individual and so unique. I've just grown to really love each one of them. And every time I think of each one of them, yeah, it'll make me smile. And we've actually had several missionaries that have lost uh, parents while serving, and yet they've continued on. We have one right now that uh, lost his mother when he was about 11. And while he was on his mission, he lost his father. And yet he has stayed and served so faithfully. And he's a great leader, a great example uh, to me of how he has trusted in the Lord so much and have stayed so strong knowing these truths that it will bless him forever. And Yeah, it's been hard for him, but he's done it. And I think, wow, he could do that. You know, my things in my life are nothing. So I have a lot of respect for him. And that'll bring a lot of love in my heart and joy when I think about this young man for the rest of his life. Of course. Go ahead. Could I add something to that, Brother King? We had a sister, we had a senior couple who, while they were here serving, lost a daughter. She passed away suddenly, mm. and they had to go home and take care of all of those arrangements and then came right back here to finish their missions. We so admire their strength and their courage and their faith to just keep going forward in the face of that yeah. kind of loss. Yeah, I guess that a lot of people don't realize that missionaries leave behind a life, that they miss certain things, and that they, on many occasions, they show great faith and great obedience in doing what they are doing. And it's uh, it's wonderful that you mentioned this as as an example, and that that you share this. Wow, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit uh, overblown by that uh, for my, my next question because I also want to know uh, since uh, since you're now talking about all those great missionaries, do you plan to have reunions somewhere in the future over there in in America? Yes, <laughs> yes, we do plan on that, and most of the time they do. What's been a pattern is to, around general conferences in April and October, missionaries get together and have a reunion. And we'd like to do that as long as they're interested and we're still around. Sounds great. Sounds great. Must be uh, lovely to see them and, and especially to see how they go further on in their lives and take on what they've learned on their mission and what they've learned from you. Because when I talk to a lot of returned missionaries, it seems that if you ask them, okay, what did you learn during your mission? Almost every one of them 
will at least mention one thing they've learned from their mission president. It seems that mission presidents have a big influence on missionaries that will remain for the rest of their lives. I, I did, don't know if you realize that. A scary thought, actually. <laughs> That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. My mission president taught me things that stuck in my heart all my life also. And I hope we've shared something with them that will benefit them as they go forward with their lives. Yeah, who knows? Are there things that you will miss when you're back in America? Mm. Yeah, Haring. <laughs> he will. I won't. <laughs> um, what will I miss? Oh, I love the European breads over here. I love bread. That, and I love... Uh, the nature here and to hear the birds so prolific every morning and throughout the day. They just seem to be more tropical sounding or something than in the West. I'll really miss that and the lifestyle here that people live. I would love to live that way, but we have a lot of hills and <laughs> I don't know if I could bike hills all the time. So uh, maybe someday you're coming back to Europe and, and visit it over here because I can imagine that uh, being uh, a mission president couple, that it's a huge effort and that uh, you're not here as, as tourists, of course, and that you think, okay, there are so many things I really want to visit again, but then when I have a lot of free time, isn't it? Yeah. We never got to go into the, uh, what is it, the Petromian? In oh. Brussels, what is that called? The Atomium. Atomium. <laughs> and we didn't get a good tour of Ypres, which I regret. So, yes, yeah, there are many things we'd love to do that we couldn't while we were here. Yeah. We know where the churches are. We know that. And <laughs> but other than that, oh, we haven't been able to really get into the culture except what we see as we're driving by. So, who knows, maybe uh, you can plan later on to come back uh, once again. So, maybe as one of the last questions, what did this mission have? Has it changed something in your life for good? Can I answer that yes. one? And then I can do I, uh, I am overwhelmed with respect and adoration for the members here. They truly are so strong and resilient and willing Um I've just grown to love them so much. That would bring me back even more than uh, doing some of the tourist sites to be able to see these wonderful people again and and uh, get to share time with them. I hope someday to come back to your table and spend a little time with you and Isabel. Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Oh, yes, I'll have to agree with President about that. These people here... Um, sacrifice so much for the church um, that we in America, sometimes we take for granted because it's so, well, especially in the West where we live where there's so many members and things are so close by that here people really have to sacrifice for the church and stand up and stand alone a lot of times. And that example that they've set has really touched my heart. And I think, oh, can I really do that? Can I be like that? And yes, it would be an honor to come back and rub shoulders with these great people that we've gotten to know and to hopefully we've learned from their examples to really uh, love the gospel like they do, like you all do here. And yeah, I think that's how I feel also. That's uh, that's nice to hear. So I think that I can say thank you very much for all the work you've done over here. You were 
a fantastic couple. It was an honor to to be your friend, to know you. And uh, yeah, uh, I hope that these final days will won't be very, very over scheduled with, with a lot of things. And uh, we wish you, of course, a safe trip home. Enjoy the time with your family again. And thank you so much for everything you did. Thank you. There's, thank you. There's one example of a member I'd like to share with you, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. He gives so much of his own personal time and talents. He's very gifted. He's got skills that amaze me. And he spends time and he works and he gets inspiration to do his calling. And even more, he has been responsible for many baptisms in this mission. And his name is Brother David Haynes. I think I know him. (laughs) Your campaigns have been so successful and have made a huge difference in this mission. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all you've done. We love you and we respect you. Yes, we couldn't have done those things without you, actually. (laughs) That was really amazing what you've done. Oh, thank you so much for these nice words. I think... uh... Yeah, I'm totally blown away now. So I think this is a great moment to end this interview and to to thank you for your time in your packing days. So uh, thank you very much and we'll keep in touch. Thank you. We love you. Thank you so much. We love you. Amazing people, aren't they? Oh my, they are. I love them so much. Um, Especially since I worked uh, a lot with uh, President Benel, he always will uh, will have a place in my heart. But mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was interesting to to hear his comments on the differences between between Europe and, and America. Yeah. You see, exactly. it's it, it's different, and and they notice the the difference, especially uh, that it is harder over here to to talk to people about mm-hmm. religion. Exactly, I think the missionaries will also. Um, yeah, you know, find out that with the new mission leaders, you know, they're, they're from here. They're actually friends of ours. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the European touch will also uh, change the mission field here. Yeah, that uh, that will be a big difference. Now mm-hmm. we'll have a mission president, yeah, President Basse and his wife. Um, they're, uh, they're natives. Mm-hmm. And so f- for a yeah, I can't remember that we had that already before. So the missionaries and most missionaries are coming from the United States. So they will now have a president that knows how it works over here. So exactly. uh, uh, I'm curious about what will change in in the work. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm sure there will be a, there will be a big change. So, uh, President and Sister Benel, we wish you all the best if you listen to this podcast and uh, have a, a nice period again with your family. I know you're looking forward to that, so enjoy your time with your family. Yes. Our third and, and last topic um, that that uh, I prepared for this uh, podcast is about the celebration uh, we had about the uh, 40th, 40th uh, anniversary of the revelation on the priesthood ban for black people. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this celebration was so beautiful to uh, not to look back in mm-hmm. the history, but looking forward and uh, 
seeing all the challenges that still arise and and look at that and call to every member a call to every member to um, leave their prejudices and behind and and to be more real a brother and a sister for everybody mm-hmm. but i i think that once again it's it's already different over here in europe i think uh, and that's 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 a personal feeling but when i look at general conference i often think wow it's all white up mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. while when you visit a church over here if you visit in our ward for instance or other wards you have a, a, a bigger a, a, a lot more bigger mix in in cultures exactly. uh, not only black people but mm-hmm. from everywhere mm-hmm. and i love that i love to be in a church where we're all coming together uh, despite of our background and stuff exactly. like that so i think that for once we're in, we can show out out from our experience we can show the rest of the world that uh, that it can be done and mm-hmm. That it that it is nice uh, to work together, don't yeah. you think? So? Exactly, exactly. Um, we are we're all people, you know. We're all human beings, and and um, okay, we're members now for almost seven years, so we didn't experience the time that uh, black people were not entitled to have the priesthood. But to me, it's like it's it, it's natural. You know, I love I love them in, in in our ward. As you said, you know, if you if you look around in our ward, we have so many nationalities. And what I think is important, um, where it all starts, is with our kids. You know, or if if I look at our own kids, they are used to to have friends from other nationalities and other cultures. And I think that's a good thing if they can grow up together, that it doesn't feel strange for them anymore if they're if they are in the class with people with other skin colors, for instance. So um I remember for me, you know, I was raised in, in a very small town and the first time I saw someone with another skin color, it was like, oh, oh wow. You know, but for kids if they are raised in that um yeah and in such an environment. Yes, exactly. That's what that's what I want to say. Um, it's it can only be it's all, it's good for them, you know. It can only enrich their their experiences with people. So uh, yes, I think we are, as you said, a, a very big example to perhaps other churches that we don't make any differences um, to race or or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I love uh, learning from those other cultures because exactly. what I believe is that it is very important that we realize that we are all children of, of our Heavenly Father mm-hmm. and that we are all equal to Him. But uh, we're of equal value. Yes. And we're not equal in the sense that we all have to look the same and, and mm-hmm. perform all the same. So I love those cultural differences uh even in our church i i encourage them because it's so nice to to hear from other people on how they do things how mm-hmm. 
for instance, they enjoy family life on another way than, than we do. Really, it's an enrichment to, to have that. It is, it is. You know, it's like the more experiences and, and the more um, meanings and, and opinions you have, the more you can learn from one another. Um, I, th- I think, yes, that's, uh, that's very important. Yeah. So um, I hope that when, when people listen to this podcast, that they will think about uh, what, uh, what it can mean to, to go out there and, and look for other uh, cultures. Mm-hmm. Because um, it, can be, it can be sometimes quite simple. But I remember that in our ward, we had once an evening where uh, we had more than 10, 11 nationalities. Yes, yes, And, yes. and they all uh, made a little mm-hmm. boot with, with some information from their, uh, their countries and their culture, where they came from or their parents came from. Uh, and and yeah, especially they all cooked, <laughs> and and I love all the different food. I exactly. would die for a real Indian curry <laughs> or uh, taste the, the 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 real couscous mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Really, we should do the, we should do that more often. Yes, actually, I, yeah, you know, if you make it a little bo- bit more practical, and and yes, people. Yeah, if, if if you can share those things with people, I think I think it's an amazing thing, you know, because uh, yeah, whether we like it or not, I think some people, if they meet people from other races or whatever, that they're a little bit, yeah, not terrified, but that they hesitate to talk to uh, to those people or anything. But then, if you bring them together, as you said, and you offer them their special food and you show them their yeah, their their, their maybe their clothing, whatever. It, it's a fun way of learning from from one another, and and yes, I, I, you uh, you can only encourage that. I think we should do that more often. Yeah. Exactly. Of course, there's there's often the language barrier. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, that's some, sometimes difficult. It's uh, it's not easy. Um, and yeah, even even here in Europe, we speak so many different languages. That's something that I envy in the in the states. There, they have a big country. Everybody speaks English. Uh, mm-hmm. While here, in in just one unit in one ward, you have so many languages. It's it's not always that easy. No, no, it's not easy, but. Um I think here in Belgium, I think the majority of the people here speak fairly well English. And also, uh, our church is an American church. So, a lot of things that you look up on the web... Originated from America. Yeah. It's not American. Exactly. It's not American. But I challenge you, if you you want to look up information about a certain topic of the church, I, I really challenge you to find... Or to compare what you find in English and to what you find in Dutch. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's also English is the, the lingua franca on, on the internet. Yes, exactly. But also in our church, that's true. Sometimes that's the thing. sometimes we forget that that uh, that there should be more effort in in localizing uh, stuff. I remember, you know, I, I yeah, I served in many callings, and for example, when I had to prepare some lessons in, in young women's, for example, I always got links in English, and then you think like, okay, you know, I have to teach uh, Flemish girls, so I always had to look 
look up stuff for myself. And, and then I, sometimes I was thinking like, oh, come on, you know, why can't there be more uh, stuff available in our own language? So sometimes, yeah, that, that frustrated me. So, yeah, but, but okay, you know, as I said, the church is original from, from, from the States and uh, English is, is yes, I, I think we're all used to it now. Yeah, and let's admit it, the church is doing a growing effort in, yes. in translation. Us. If you if you notice how much there is now translated, uh, it's 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 huge, and mm. I applaud for all the people working in the translation department. Yes, uh, they do a great thing for everybody. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it's it's also once again in in the examples that they give that uh, that there are differences. Uh, for mm. instance, if if you look in. Um, I hope they will replace it soon. But if you then look at, at something like uh, the strength for youth, mm -hmm. uh, there you have an example of uh, when you're 16, date um, uh, many girls, date many boys. Yeah, that's not done over here. When you're, no. when you're interested in, in somebody, then you date with that girl, with that boy. And if you would say then, yeah, but I'm going to date also other people. Mm -hmm. Whoa! Uh, no, that's not, nee. done. Uh, nee, not done. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's all the thing that it's it's amazing that by seeing the B one uh, devotional that I had a thing like okay, it's great that we that we see this and that we once again have the call. <laughs> let us unite. Let us be one. So yeah, and and on the other hand, I had once more. Okay, it's a good thing to unite. Mm -hmm. But again, in uniting, let's be of equal value. Yeah. Let us realize that, but also let's enjoy the differences. Let yeah. us celebrate the, the, the differences and let us enjoy all the different cultures in our church. Uh, that, that will raise a, a whole new thing. Uh, and a whole new way of looking at it, I, yes. I think. Yes, exactly. I, uh, as I said, we can learn so much from one another. And um, we, we are children of God, you know, no matter if we're big, tall, small, tiny, whatever. We're all the same. We're all, you know, to God we are, or to Heavenly Father, He loves us all. You know, at the same, the same way, and as much, you know. So why would we make differences if Heavenly Father doesn't do that? Why would we do that? So I can only encourage people to to respect one another and to love one another and and to learn from one another. Once again, love is the the central message in. Uh like in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yes. we, we have to look at that. So I think uh, this was a beautiful first episode of our podcast. Yes, it was. I uh, ask our listeners to let us know if they enjoyed this podcast. They can do that by giving us reviews on iTunes. Give us five stars if mm. you like this show. Um, or give us a star in Overcast. But uh, please also send your questions and your remarks to our email address, podcast at letterday.eu. We, we love to hear from you so that we can improve for our next time. Uh, 
And uh, until that time, we say goodbye. Goodbye.